1: Five six one six one six twenty. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. This is one of those programs where I, I pretty much guarantee, listen to the whole show, there will be stuff that you agree with and there will undoubtedly be stuff that you disagree with. That's okay. There... You know I, at some point in time now look I, I recognize we we live in these times where everybody's on their last nerve you You've got all the political turmoil that is going on, you have the concerns about coronavirus, you have the ongoing protests that that continue to you know pop up and it's it seems like that just we we just can't get along about everything and everybody's on their last nerve, and everybody wants to rush to judgment but but sometimes. Just sometimes, rather than going nuclear, it, it is perhaps best that you, you just kind of take a step back and, and wait and, and see what the facts are. And I, I start off with this story. I sent this out on, on, on Twitter. You can follow me at Wagner 620 because it's one of these classic examples of how rushing to judgment gets you nowhere. Right, the city of Oakland, Oakland, California is an incredibly diverse city. If you've ever been to Oakland, you know it's right across the right across the bay from San Francisco. It is a very, very diverse city. There is a park in, in Oakland and it's it's around a little lake. And it's it's called Lake Merritt, but it's in the city of Oakland. So it's a little park, you know, and I guess people can, you know, go get boats and ride on this and stuff. So what happens is on on Tuesday afternoon, there's a woman who's kind of walking through the park and she look and she's she's a person of color, she's a black woman, she looks up in the tree and she sees a couple ropes hanging from the the tree. All right, And, and at the end of the ropes they have loops. Now I, I you know they have loops, and she says, "Oh my god, th- these are nooses that are hanging from the tree." And she, she pulls out her cell phone and she videos these and then she goes to the news and, and they say there, there's nooses hanging from the tree. Oh, look at all this racism. And then, and you could, there's a news conference. The mayor of Oakland who, uh, she, it's, it's a woman. She, and she's just, in, in the, she's outraged and she's like choking back tears talking about how awful it is that somebody could, could put symbols of, of terrorism and racial hatred and violence and there's no place in, in Oakland for these, um, especially right now. Now and we're investigating this as a hate crime, and you know we're not going to tolerate these symbols, and you know etc. etc. and we've got to stop terrorizing our black and brown citizens. Um, we have to, as white people, we have to become knowledgeable and educated about the impacts of our actions, etc. 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 So the the assumption is, okay, you, you've got some racist who's hung these nooses in the trees, with the whole implication of of lynching and things like that, and they must have just put them up in response to you know everything that's been going on in the world all right so that that's the approach and we're going to prosecute this as a hate crime well are, are you ready for page two as soon as this story and, and, and then so the, the police start to investigate and the police initially say we oh, hold on a minute you know it, it, we think this was like exercise equipment and then of course they denounce the police they, What do you mean exercise how, how could this be going on well okay you, you can watch the, this news broadcast again that I have the, linked up on, on Twitter. It's at JeffWagner620. Well, what, what happens is, as soon as this goes public, they find the guy who, who hung these ropes. And as it turns out, it's a, it's a, it's a middle-aged African-American guy. His name is Victor Sengbe. and And he's on TV. And he's like, well, first of all, we, we exercise in the park. And what we do is the, these ropes, we use them to climb on and, and we use them to, to swing on. What, what happens is you, you, you put your foot in the loop at the bottom of the rope and you can kind of swing on them. And then he says, and he says, these ropes, they've been up there for months. We've been using this to work out. And this is just what we do in the park. He said it was kind of like the swing set that we set up. And it's not just me and my friends that use it. It's all these other people that have used these ropes that that we've had there. And, and yes, they've got loops on the end. He said these aren't nooses. They're they're ropes that we use for exercise. And and people have been using this, and it's been up for weeks and weeks and, and and. the guy who, again, happens to be African-American, he says, it, it never occurred to me that this was this was a noose. We didn't do these as, as nooses. And by the way, they've been there for a while. We've been using these constantly. So I'm not trying to create hate. We were just we thought this was something nice to do in this park that gave people an opportunity to kind of work out. All right. But again, our our reaction was. Oh, my gosh, this stuff is here. It has to be racist. It has to be somebody who's out there, you know, trying to terrorize the community. And look, and I, I understand the, the significance of, of nooses and lynchings and things like that. But at, at some point in time, especially given how volatile things are now, yes, I, I just wonder if before everybody just jumps to the worst conclusion possible, maybe you, you do a little bit of investigation and in this particular case, all it would have taken was a little bit of investigation to find that uh, that, that at least there's no there there when it comes to assuming that this was a, a hate crime. Now you can argue. That you know, people in the case of the one woman who walked by and who saw this, who you, you can argue that okay, m- maybe you shouldn't put these ropes up there for people to swing on with the loops because somebody might misinterpret it. That that's a fair argument to make. But this automatic assumption that oh my gosh, you know, th- this was these were white supremacists that were doing this. Okay, maybe before you jump to that conclusion and get everybody riled up with the worst interpretation possible, maybe you should just do at least a little bit of investigation to determine what was really going on. And in this particular case, what was going on is it was... Uh, a bunch of people, including lots of persons of color, who were just using, you know, this this was kind of like a, a, a an amplified or a, a version of using some of these trees and using some ropes to create uh, their, their own swing set, kind of like a little playground in, in the park. And maybe they shouldn't have done it, maybe it wasn't the best thought out thing, but it, it wasn't this, this, it wasn't a hate crime, it was a couple guys who put some ropes around trees and were using them to exercise, Period. But, of course, that's not the narrative that people want to play into. So sometimes, you know, can't we just all take a deep breath when it comes to stuff and instead of just assuming the worst, just try to figure out what really happened? When we come back, the Supreme Court and President Trump, we will discuss. This is Jeff Wagner.
2: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: 855 616 1620. That's the internet mortgage talk and text line. I'd let it go. I'm referring, of course, to what happens next after the Supreme Court decision this morning involving DACA, the the so called Dreamers Act. If if you haven't been following this, back in 2012, President Obama, by executive order, directed that people here in this country illegally, under certain circumstances, could could stay. The way the program works is, first of all, you have to show that you committed no serious crimes. Secondly, you have to show that you arrived in the United States before you turned 16. And when you applied to stay, you were no o- older than 30. So in other words, this is geared for children, who, who or at least people who come to the country in as children their parents bring them here the parents are here illegally meaning the kids are are illegal so the idea is but the, but the kids In many cases, you know, America is the only country they know. And the thinking is, hey, it's not the kid's fault that the parents brought them here illegally. So the deal is, if you fit into that category and you can show that you've never committed a serious crime, that you've lived in the United States for at least the previous five years, that you were either in school, had graduated from high school, or had received a GED certificate, or were an honorably discharged veteran, You could go in and you could get this certificate that was good for two years that allowed you to stay in the country, and it had to be renewed every two years. So that's why you have the the Dreamers Act. There's about 650,000 ballpark people who are in this country, again, under those circumstances. They came to the country illegally, but they were kids when when they did it. So that's what the Dreamers Act has been all about. President Trump decided he wanted to stop the Dreamers Act, get rid of, of DACA. And so, essentially, through administrative proceedings, they said they were going to discontinue it. So you have all these people who had come into the country, had been in the country, and were now legally allowed to stay. Now, by the way, DACA isn't, it's, it's not a roadmap to, roadmap to citizenship. You have to keep renewing this and, it doesn't allow you the right to vote or anything like that, but it does allow you to stay in this country. And generally speaking, it's been people who've been in this country for years and, and for years and years. It's people who, in general, came to the cause 16 years is the cutoff. But generally, it's people who came as, as young children. So that, that's the deal. So anyhow, President Trump decides he wants to get rid of this. And administratively, they get rid of it. The Supreme Court today, by a five to four vote, said that the the rulemaking process, it's kind of a technical decision, that the rulemaking process that the administration used was insufficient. Um, it, it didn't say that they don't have the authority, the Trump administration doesn't have the authority to do away with the program or to cancel it. They just said that the way they did it was improper. They, they didn't give enough valid reasons for why. So it essentially throws it back to the start to, to the starting blocks. You know, President Trump. How oh, you do have an election coming up in a few months, but President Trump can can go back and the the Trump administration can kind of start over with the rulemaking process. It's the Department of Homeland Security, and the Department of Homeland Security can do the same thing. They can just articulate why they're doing it in a better fashion. So it, they can restart this whole process. The Supreme Court says that. It's just they need to restart the process. So with that background, here, here is now the question. The question is, is it worth the effort? And is this worth the fight? And if we look at the problems caused by illegal immigration, I guess the question becomes, is it the dreamers or are there bigger fish to fry, other things to be concerned about. Our number 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. So like I don't I don't want to talk about the merits of the Supreme Court decision. We we you quickly get into the weeds if you do that. But I want to talk about the bigger principle here. You have about 650,000 people who've come into this country Illegally, they are now staying in this country, but they, they have to be in school. They can't have committed a crime. Um, they had to have come here before they were 16. They have to renew every two years. They're not on the path to citizenship. So presumably, the the 660,000 people are, are not creating problems. My question is, should we let the dreamers stay? 855 616 1620. That's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. And again, perhaps you will disagree with me on this, but given the different issues we have facing us today, and given even if you want to focus on illegal immigration and people coming into this country illegally, my argument is whatever issues the dreamers cause, that's way down on the scale. And if I were advising President Trump, I would say let this go. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Should we continue going after the Dreamers in the wake of today's Supreme Court decision? We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: I mean, honestly, I'm not sure if I agree with the rationale of the Supreme Court striking down the administration's effort to do away with the Dreamers. But, but having said all that, I've always believed that this this is not a battle that I think is really worth fighting. And if you're going to fight battles in the issue of illegal immigration, there, there's about 100 more battles that I would pick, and I would encourage the administration to do that. Dick in Grafton. Dick, you're on WTMJ.
2: Jeff, you and I are on the same page on this. I would, I would advise the president, drop it or raise the bar higher challenge congress to do what it should have done in the last 20 years right that's the that's the problem that i see i've had personal contact with a number of dreamers in different parts of the country and they're fine residents notice i didn't say citizens they're fine residents of this country they're caught in in what you can call the donut hole of immigration and um one individual that I met this past winter who did work on our motor home in Texas couldn't get a job driving a truck where he had to drive a truck because he couldn't get a driver's license. Because he was undocumented. Mm-hmm. Soon as the dreamer thing came through, he could go out and get a driver's license. Right. That enabled him to legally drive from a small town in west central Texas to San Antonio to go to the tech school on his dime. Mm-hmm. And learn to be a diesel mechanic
1: yeah and, and, and you
2: know, it you, also you, it also enabled him, Jeff, to get a class b c d l yeah so now he can drive large motorhomes, large trucks, deliver them for his employer.
1: Right, and to your he, point, he, he's not causing problems. This this is not a man who is causing problems. Correct. He's actually contributing to our, our society. And in many cases, Dick, I mean, I don't know the background of the guy you're talking about, but in many cases, these people who have come to the, this country, they come as kids. They don't really, I mean, the U.S. Yep. is all they know. It's not like this is somebody that's come in their 30. You have to have come here before you're 16. And a lot of the dreamers came here when yep. they were three or four or five years old.
2: Jeff, this guy, came, this guy came across the border with his parents when he was two years old. Right. His parents are here, here illegally. His dad has a very successful landscaping business, and they do landscaping on really high-end homes. We happen to drive through one of the subdivisions his dad does a lot of work in. His dad does go back to Mexico from time to time. He told me seven or eight times.
1: Yeah. Hey, I gotta listen. You know how he
2: comes back. You know how he comes back. His mother went to Mexico. And in order for her to get back in the country, they paid $14,000 to have her smuggled.
1: Yeah. I no, think Dick. I'm sorry, i got to let you go. I'm kind of up against the clock. But, yeah, I mean, that's – look, I, I think our immigration rules are, are – I think we need to take a whole new look at a lot of these things. But, again, it's the, the Dreamers Act, and we're going to continue this conversation So, for at least one more segment after the news. But I, I think the, the, the Dreamers Act – to me, it makes sense. Do I think it should be legislative instead of a rulemaking thing? Yes, I do. But, again, you've got to pick your battles in this thing. and In the fight on illegal immigration, there's all sorts of – and if we're going to spend limited resources on trying to get rid of groups of people, well, the dreamers seem to me to be the last group of people that you would want to go after. That's just me. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. The Supreme Court strikes down the government's efforts to try to do away with the Dreamers Act. They essentially send the government back to the drawing board. If, if I were advising President Trump and President Trump were listening, I would say th- I would say this is not a fight that is worth pursuing with all the different issues that come from illegal immigration. I don't think the 600 plus thousand people who are in this country as dreamers are the ones that are creating the problems. Let's talk to Daryl in Milwaukee. Daryl, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon, Jeff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm for the, the dreamers. I'm all for them. Uh, and I agree with you totally. This is not a battle under a, a heavy, heavy topic like immigration to even deal with. Especially right now, mm-hmm. it's just too many other issues to deal with. Especially all of the subtopics under immigration. Right. Well, Dreamers, I... are Dreamers are hardworking people. Dreamers hardworking people, law abiding. They add to the quality of of the country, I believe.
1: uh, Well, right, and in most cases, I mean, I I also look at intent. In in most cases, like I said earlier, these are people that came – they didn't have the choice of coming into this country. They were people that were brought into this country, admittedly illegally, but they were brought in by their parents. Okay, when, when you're three or four or five years old, you go where your parents take you. You've been in this country since you were a little kid. You haven't created problems. You've stayed in school. You're working I mean, what, what is the sense of trying to spend resources to send the people that fit in that group back? It doesn't make sense to me. I agree. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. I mean, I guess, again, there's and, – and this isn't – I mean, I, I get these texts from people who say, well, what part of illegal don't you understand? Well, I – I just, you've got a, you've got limited resources. You have to figure out, and what, what's the number that they throw around that they think there's 10 or 11 or 12 million people in this country illegally? Okay, you, you, you can't deport everybody. You have to, f- Pick your battle, and I, I just I repeat what I said a minute ago. The the the, the six hundred plus thousand people out of that that universe of eleven or twelve or thirteen or fourteen million people or whatever the number is, those six hundred and sixty thousand people who are the dreamers, they're not creating the problem. So if we accept the premise that we we can't deport everybody. I think you'd have to, I think you, you prioritize this on, okay, who who are the people, not that are in school, not that are showing, not that aren't committing crimes, that are showing up every two years and renewing their their registrations and things like that, or do we go after them, or do we go after the people that are, I don't know, the criminals, or the people that are running drugs, or the people that are part of the cartels and stuff like that? My vote is, let's figure out, let's go after the people that are committing the crimes first and, and then move on. But from the dreamer's perspective, I just, I, I'd let it go. Lewis on up. the south side. Lewis, you're WTMJ. on WTMJ. Lewis? Okay, lost Lewis there. <laughs> and I guess that's the the thing. It's a question of, you know, trying to... You know, trying to be be reasonable about this, um, Jeff. It's not about the dreamers. It's about trying to get leverage for a more comprehensive immigration law and border security. Well, um, yeah, I, I guess I guess that's that's part of it. And I understand that when President Trump came down with these guidelines in the first place, what he said was, you know, I, I want Congress to do it. I want Congress to do this too. That's why. When I said I, I disagree a little bit with the decision, I think it's the right result, but I, I do think, I, I do think it's something that needs to be done legislatively. But still, it, it's the right thing. We gotta pick our battles. Okay. When we come back, will there be football? And will you go? I'll explain. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> Okay, follow me on this. There, there's an interesting opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal that I'm going to text out in a couple minutes. It's called, What What COVID Models Get Wrong? And it, it, its point is, we, we have all these models out there, and, and generally speaking, the, the a lot of the people that tout them, it's, they kind of like roll out the worst-case scenario, and thankfully, that has not been the case. And, and that, that, is, that is good news. On top of that, now that the country is starting to reopen – And as part of the reopening, in some states, you're starting to see more cases of coronavirus, partly because there's more testing, but also because people are getting out and about and they're not following social distancing. But one of the things that we are seeing, and it's another good thing, is that the number of hospitalizations is is not increasing in almost all all cases. So like in, in Wisconsin for example, there there's there's no danger at this point in time that the hospital system is going to get overwhelmed. Maybe it will at some point in time, but it hasn't happened and there's plenty of hospital capacity. There's plenty of, of ventilators and that's that's what's playing out in large portions of the country. And one of the questions is why? Gee, if, if people are still getting this, why aren't the hospitalizations spiking? And and it's because at least in my opinion it's because we we are smarter than sometimes people give us credit for and that is one of the things that we have learned about coronavirus over the course of the last several months is that it nobody wants to get it but it is particularly the people who are in certain risk categories namely people who are older starts at the age of 60 and then you know you're at a higher risk category at 70 and you're a higher risk category of 80. People older and also people who have some of these pre-existing conditions like the hypertension or the untreated diabetes or obesity, things like that. Those are the ones that if you get COVID-19, it's a particularly bad situation. And one of the things that we're starting to see is people are getting it. But they're not requiring the hospitalizations, and I think that's because the the people that are in the most vulnerable categories are the people who are particularly the most careful about it and and you don't you don't want anybody to get it. I understand all that but if if, for example, after the protests of the last couple of weeks, you see a spike. In COVID nineteen cases, because there people weren't following social distancing and they weren't wearing masks, I'm not going to be surprised if that that spike in cases does not lead to does not lead to an increase in hospitalizations, because most of the people that were at the protests, not all, they're, they're, they're younger, they're in the the lower risk categories. Um, I, I know. I mean, I've talked to lots of people who own restaurants around here. And, you know, I ask about business. I told this story the other day. And uh, a couple people are saying, well, it's a little bit slow because in in some cases, if the clientele is primarily older, there's a lot of older people who still aren't comfortable going out into these public sort of settings, which is good. Not criticizing that at all, but it's good. They're being more careful, which to me is one of the reasons why you're not seeing a spike in hospitalizations because people are, in fact, being smarter. All right. So what does that mean moving forward? Um, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is kind of, he's not had as much of a public profile before. And and, and my criticism with Dr. Fauci isn't that he doesn't know his stuff because he clearly does. But he comes at matters primarily from a, a public health perspective. You know, what, what can we do to stop people from getting coronavirus? And, that's his primary concern and I get it and I respect it, but you know, there are other factors as well. Like, okay, well, you know, what, what about reopening the economy and and what about, you know, people being able to work and people being able to make money to pay their rent and all those type of things. And and I never thought that that's a a primary concern for Dr. Fauci. And I get it. He's all talking about the the public health perspective, but it's sometimes as I've been arguing for months, there's got to be a balancing between the two. In any event, he's, Um, He was on CNN earlier today, and they were asking him about the football season. And he essentially said that um, he, he doesn't think that the football season should happen unless players are essentially in a bubble, insulated from the community and tested nearly every day. It would be very hard to see how football is able to be played this fall. Um, he also expressed pessimism for a full season if a second wave, which is certainly a possibility, um, would, complicated by the flu season. He says, I, football may not happen this year. So he's like, well, I mean, the reality is, you know, you got big, you got teams, you're not practicing social distancing is the nature of the game. It is inevitable that somebody's going to get sick, and that means we're going to have to shut everything down. All right. I, I don't know that, that that's where, I don't know that's where teams are going to be. I don't know where players are going to be. And in general, if you accept the premise that the players are are generally going to be healthy and if they get COVID-19, they're they're going to recover from that, I, I don't know if the the idea and the fact that gee somebody might end up getting sick that that's going to be a justification for saying all right we're we're not going to play we're not going to play football i mean i just i if you look at these other sports leagues that are coming back yes they they've got players kind of in a bubble but the reality is people are going to catch this the reality is people are going to catch it and i don't think the leagues are prepared to completely and totally shut down but that leads me to what i want to discuss with you what what do you do for example, um, University of Southern California, they play, they play in the L.A. Coliseum. They play football in the L.A. Coliseum, seats 110,000 people. They've already sent out notes to season ticket holders saying, we anticipate that we will be playing football. And we haven't worked this out, but we anticipate that there will be fans in the stands. Now, not 110,000 we anticipate that there's going to be a lot fewer fans in the stands we we anticipate that we're, we 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 might not have concessions we're not going to allow tailgating et cetera. and we haven't exactly worked this out so we we can't guarantee if you're a season ticket holder you know we we can't guarantee if there's six home games that you're going to get six tickets you know in, in like it's more likely that you're only going to get you know that you'll get tickets to maybe three of the games. And if you have six season tickets, you might only be able to get two. So we're gonna scale this back, but we, we intend to play with fans in the stands, even under limited circumstances. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, here's what I wanna discuss with you. Let's say, let's say the NFL, let's say the Packers or the Wisconsin Badgers, Decide that we're going to open up, we're going to play with fans in the stands, but it's going to be a fraction of the people. So instead of 75,000 people or 70,000 people at Lambeau Field, we're going to let in 10,000 people, and we're going to scatter the people out. Instead of 80,000 people at Camp Randall, we're going to let 15,000 in, and we're going to scatter people throughout the stadium, and you're going to have to wear masks. That's By the way, that's what USC is doing. you got to wear masks. There's going to be limited concessions. You're going to be spread out. You're not going to get as many tickets. You're not going to be able to sit with your friends necessarily all right is it worth it our number 855-616-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line under those conditions would, would you feel comfortable going back and sitting in the stands for a football game at at camp randall or at lambeau field or at anywhere else a fraction of the crowd wearing face masks spread out from other people and in some cases maybe you you know you're there with your, your spouse or with your kid or whatever but you're you're not there with the the people that have been used to going to, to games with you 855-616-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line are you still going to the football games is it worth it to have fans in the stands under those conditions we discuss in a minute you know, feel free to, free to disagree with me, but, but you know what? You put all these conditions on it. you you, you got to wear a mask for the three hours. There's not going to be the concessions. There's no tailgating. You're not going to be able to sit with your friends. All those type of things. There's only going to be a handful of people in one of these big stadiums. And you know what? I love live sports, but but I think as long as there's that stuff out there, I'm going to pass on it. I mean, if... if, if If the only way we can have fans in the stands is to put in all these conditions, thanks, no thanks, I'll I'll wait till this all passes. Let's talk to Jason in Mequan. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Uh, Afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? I'm good. What do you think? Would you go back? No, I'm with you on that. If I'm going to be required to wear a
4: face mask and can't sit with my friends, uh uh-uh, no. The masks are uncomfortable, you still have your rights and stuff like that and I choose to exercise my right not to wear
1: masks. So Yeah. So that okay, no, thanks and again. And again, see when I said masks, that that's one of that's one of many factors that, that were there. If it was just the masks, I don't know. But you kinda of put all this stuff together and all right, there's and again, I'm, I'm a huge sports fan. Don't don't get me wrong. I love going to the live games. But it, it seems to me that at least right now, the way they're looking at letting people back is, is such that it takes three quarters of the fun out of it. You're you're not with the crowd. You're not cheering. There's no high fives. You're, you're going to have limited concessions if you have concessions at all. You can't tailgate beforehand. You're wearing the mask. So, I mean, I, it just, you start adding one level of hassle after another level after another level. And I got to tell you, I think... I think I'm staying home. I'm gonna, I'll I'll watch the games. I'll, I'll watch the games from the comfort of my couch. I might don't tell Doctor Fauci. I, I might even go with a couple of my buddies and you know sit sit in a tavern and watch the game on TV. Um, let's see, Autumn and Fondulac says Jeff. I will happily be watching from my comfy couch in my comfy clothes, enjoying adult beverages, yummy food, and my clean bathroom. Jeff, I won't go to a game this year. I usually go to one Badger and Packer game. I think football is better on TV, anyways. Jeff, I, I'd love the idea of having lots of leg room. Yeah. That's something for everybody that's crammed into those bleachers at Lambeau Field. I'd love the idea of lots of leg room, but masks, nope, masks is a deal uh, breaker for me. Jeff, if there are no concessions, I can't tailgate, I can't sit with my friends, I think I'd rather stay home because at home, I have all the food I want, I can sit with my friends, I can even tailgate in my driveway if I want, and I have my own bathroom, and by the way, I don't need to wear a, a mask. Um... Uh, Jeff, now I was just at the dirt track races in Beaver Dam last weekend and the stands were relatively packed, but people grouped themselves. So I'd say yes, absolutely. I'd attend sports. Um, yeah, they even had self-service condiment pumpers too. And I don't know that you're going to see that anytime soon. Um, Jeff, okay, the description that you have of what USC is doing, it's not what I paid for. Return everybody's money and resell tickets on the open market. Um, let's see. I think I would go. It's better than sitting in the house even more. I Again, I, I just, it, somebody was asking me the other day, would you go to Las Vegas? And I, my answer is not until it opens up significantly. I mean, all the things I like to go to Las Vegas for, I like to be around people, okay? I I mean, not the overcrowded stuff, but I like to be able to interact with people. I like to go to these restaurants. I I just, am I hung up on the mask? No, but that doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. I mean, I just, I don't want to spend the money, fly halfway across the country, and get into a situation where uh, again, you're not able to do the things you want to do. You know, Do I want to go to Disney World? Well, I like to go to Disney World, but I'm not going to go to Disney World again if it's these limit, limited stuff. I'll, I'll wait till next year. We're going to get through this. Things are going to get back to normal, and you're going to be able to have more human interaction. I'm going to wait to do that. So if if this is the plan, to to get people back to go into Packers games or Badgers games or other sort of sporting events, and you have to have all these limitations on them, and you want to do it, fine, go with God. But I, I'm I'm going to be watching you on TV. That that's just kind of my take on it. Until we're able to do it right, I, I just don't think it's worth doing it at all. At least that's the way I look at it. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good
1: afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Hear me out on this one, because I never thought I'd be saying it. But you know, I think it is perhaps time to do away with the national anthem before sporting events. Eric Bilstadt, what do you think of that? It's getting really I think I know why anthem. you're going that way. I, th- I, I, I can anticipate your your thought. Well, what do you think? Well, it's
0: I, I know why you're you mean <laughs> what do I think? You think or what do no, I no, think? What do you think do
1: about that? What do you think about um, the idea of just stopping the national anthem before the games?
0: It could uh, avoid some divisiveness which I can see Mm-hmm. Coming up here in the next few months and years, yeah. um, because if you kneel, that you're going to be upsetting others, and if you don't kneel, you're going to be
1: upsetting upsetting others.
0: the rest, and, and and there's going to be some back and forth there that may take away
1: from what the national anthem was meant to be all along. Um, well, yeah, you, you you got it in one. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text line. I, I I've been thinking about this for. For a while, and what really kind of put me over the edge is there's this the high, they, they've resumed high school baseball in Iowa in Des Moines, and the, the first game of the year, Roosevelt High School baseball team in Des Moines, um, they they all they played the national anthem and all the kids decided to kneel. They all decided to to take a knee. Okay, which is which is fine, and and you know I guess they have the right to do that, but. You, I kind of looked at that and I, I thought, you know, it, it just it doesn't feel right to me. Now again, I I don't want to get into the merits. I I understand. That you know we've had the whole Colin Kaepernick thing for going on for years now, and the kneeling, and I, I understand some people interpret the protests to be what it what it is, and it's, it's not a protest against America. We're making a statement about you know Black Lives Matter. We're making a statement about police brutality, or or whatever, and you know people have different reasons for engaging in in that protest, and then there's other people. Who who just don't buy into that and see taking a knee as being disrespect to to the country. All right, so we we are at this point where, given the fact that you're you're going to, this issue is not going to go away, and that you're not going to be able to get an accord on this, I guess my thing is, wouldn't it just be simpler to just. To say we're not going to play the national anthem. We're, We're going to get rid of this particular controversy. You don't have to worry. Um, if, if you're, if you are offended that people aren't standing and aren't taking off their hats, you don't have to worry about that. If you're, if you want to kneel and protest and you don't like the fact that the guy next to you, um, is looking at you with a dirty look because he interprets it in a different way, at some point in time, should we just say no? I mean, we're, we're just we're just not going to do this. We're going to just start the game. 855-616-1620. That's the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And the more I think about this and look, you're, you're talking to somebody who stands for the national anthem. At the same time, though, I mean, it has become divisive in this country. And could, would it just be a lot easier if we just didn't play the national anthem. Is that going to affect my enjoyment of the game if I ever go back? Is it going to affect my enjoyment of the game watching on TV? No. But let's face it, you know what's going to happen now when sports start coming back? There's, there's going to be the peer pressure to kneel. And if you don't kneel, you're going to be, you're going to be focused on. And if you do kneel, you're going to be focused on. And this is going to be this whole sidelight. I don't know. Would we be better off just scrapping the anthem? Let's start with Lucy on the west side. Lucy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
5: Again. hi hi Lucy I've, I've never thought I've never thought that flag waving in the national anthem should be combined with sporting events they don't do that in Europe you don't play the national anthem every time you go to a soccer game you do hear it I asked my son who's the expert on this you do hear it when it's one one country's national team playing another country's national team right. but that's different these these are domestic games and 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 i don't think they belong together and i never have
1: um Um, even
5: before this controversy about taking the knee didn't this start during the middle of some war
1: I'm not positive on on what the history is. Um okay, let me I, let me as long as I've got you here. Let me I've got a I've got a text here right. that just that one of my one of the texters says, let me find the one that get rid of the national anthem? Are you crazy? Capital C R A Z Y. What's next? Not being able to fly the flag? Freedom is never easy. All right. Are we crazy in saying maybe we get rid of playing the national anthem before ball games?
5: No, because a sporting event um, is not a political event. It really isn't. And playing the national anthem has become, in these events, a, a political statement. And that's not what sports is about. It's about everybody going out and sharing their favorite player, mm-hmm. and wondering if Yelich is going to set a new record or if the Chicago or the bums we've always thought
1: they were. Yeah. Well, I guess I kind of look at that not too about
5: politics.
1: Right and, and I'm not saying that we should we should do away with the national anthem. That's not my argument. I mean I, I would I, right. My argument would be, okay, does it really is it necessary to? is it necessary to have it to enhance the, the agreement? And, and I think one of the reasons it was always played is, is it was uniting it. It brought us together. and now for whatever reasons, I, I think it's something that tears us apart. So it's like, instead of arguing about it, why does we not do it? <laughs> Agreed. It. Thanks for call. Okay. Appreciate it. All right. We're going to pick it up right there. This is Jeff Wagner, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I understand that there, there is this tradition behind this, and I'm not arguing we do away with the national anthem. It's just given how controversial this has now become. And given the fact that you know that there's going to be people who kneel, and that will upset some people, and there's going to be people who decide to stand up, and that will upset some people, given that, might we be better just saying, play ball? We continue the conversation in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, Lucy inspired me. The, the history lesson, the, the playing the the national anthem at baseball games does go back to World War 1, September 5th, 1918. The US was getting involved in World War 1 and apparently a, a number of baseball players had been drafted and were going to be going overseas and 7th inning game 1 of the World Series between the Boston Red Sox and the Chicago Cubs the navy band to honor a couple ball players who were going to be going into the military they they played the national anthem the crowd went wild and it's actually uh, they played the star spangled banner and it's it, it took off from there star spangled banner didn't become the national anthem officially until uh, about 15 17 years later but that that's kind of the history of it now It it isn't for. Unfortunately, it it, it's become something that divides us. And I'm not arguing you do away with the national anthem, but I don't know. Given the fact that it has become so controversial, would it just be better to not play it? Do you need to have it before sporting events? And I guess my answer is, at the moment, we don't need it. Let's talk to John. And uh, John, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
4: Hello. I think we should continue it and deal with the
1: issue. Okay. Okay. Tell me how you deal with the. Tell me how you deal with the issue. Well, given the fact we're was was so divided. vilifying
4: Kaepernick because we could vilify Kaepernick, and now it's front and center. So it's like, okay, let's put our heads in the sand and you know we'll walk away from it so we don't have to deal with
1: it at all well i'm not saying you deal away you, know, you do away over. with protests i i'm saying that I, i'm saying that you now have something that that is is going to become something that continues to be divisive that that's not going to go away i mean how how do you is it putting your head in the sand to say we're not going to play it or is it just putting your head in this is it just yeah then thing?
4: then we don't have to then we don't have to face whether someone's protesting or not we'll just like not have it part of our life at all, instead of you know dealing with what is front and center. Well, tell me how you and deal if with it. Happens it. during up. The...
1: I mean, tell me how. Tell me. So tell
4: what me. we deal that
1: with now? We we look to see
4: what the argument is, what the protest is about, because mm-hmm. before we could just vilify a mm-hmm. Kaepernick. Instead of saying, "Well, wait, what is he really protesting about?" Mm-hmm. Was that really ever the conversation? I don't Sorry. think so. Well, it was more, you know, he bad, um, well, he should stand, you know, he's un American. Well and it was like was the was the reason behind the protest ever really um argue, argued well,
1: well, in the public square. Well, but people are going to interpret that in, in different ways. Look, there there's always going to be people who argue that this well, is a show of this. Dist- okay, so that my my point is then what why do you continue to have this argument when there's bigger ones to have? By by not playing the national anthem, you take at least out of the sporting event, you take that whole element out. Doesn't that make sense?
4: No, because it's still there. So let's deal with it rather than say, "Well, we're not going to deal with it at all," and this, is, and then it just lingers.
1: Well, I mean, well, thanks like, for calling. But I mean, I guess I, I guess I, I don't. the the the, pro, the problem is to me, the national anthem has been allowed to become political, and and we can argue about why that that is. But at a time where we want to try to be unifying, I, I just I I think the national anthem before sporting events is going to continue to be controversial. And you can say, well, this, you know, that that's just ignoring the issue. Well, no, it's not ignoring the issue. We continue to have the, the dialogue and to figure out how to make this a more colorblind society and to try to determine, you know, what how you deal with police violence and where that all fits in. You can have that conversation, but do you need to uh, again have that before every particular sporting event? Jeff, this is a dumb question. Hell no, just do away with everything that is out of control. What do you want to be to do away with next? well, i mean okay it, it it's a tradition to play the the national anthem before sporting events okay it it's It's a tradition, but we change these different traditions, and all I'm saying is if this is going to be something that contributes to an incredible divisiveness. And exposes the divide between people who think it's disrespectful to kneel before the anthem versus people who, you know, think that no, this is, we, 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 this is our way of expressing our, our displeasure with conditions in, in the United States. And so we're going to continue to kneel. Uh, okay. Isn't it just simpler to say, okay, let's, let's, they're playing baseball. We'll, we'll, we'll have the, the social discussions in one place and then we'll, we'll have baseball somewhere else. Um, Jeff, I think it's an elegant solution to defuse the current situation. I would, I would miss it. Um, Jeff, um, quite honestly, I've already canceled my NFL ticket. I will not sh- watch football after all this nonsense. Okay, because there's, there's people who feel Strongly about that. Jeff, I really don't care if people want to take a knee or hold hands or hug or whatever. I don't think they should do it during the national anthem. They claim it has nothing to do with the military or the United States, but I believe it's a sign of disrespect to take a knee while that is being played. You see, and I guess that's kind of my point here. People will interpret this in different ways, and and you're not. You're not going to find, I think, a common ground on this. And the the people, and and by the way, even the people that are engaging in the protests, they're they're doing it. People have different reasons for doing this. I mean, we went through that when we were discussing the Kaepernick thing. He had one reason. Other people had other reasons. So that's fine. You have the right to protest, but there's going to be all sorts of other people out there who aren't going to like the fact that you're doing it. And they're going to resent this and they're going to interpret it in one way. All, All right we make it just simpler if we go back to this category of can't we all get along do we have to have the national anthem played before sporting events and my answer would be if it's going to divide us more than unite us this is not necessarily the hill i think we all need to die on back with more of your calls in just a moment
0: you're listening to jeff wagner on wtmj
1: here's a text jeff I love your show, even when I think you're wrong. It's okay. I think we keep the National Anthem being played at all the games. Sporting events bring people together, people of all colors, beliefs, and challenges. Let's play the National Anthem because it represents an ideal. If people choose not to stand or take an knee, they can do that in our country. And and I appreciate that it represents an ideal and that it sporting events bring people together. I don't disagree with any of that. I'm just saying that right now... That's not where we are in this country on that particular issue. And candidly, if, if I were if I were running one of these sports teams, and I, or I was running the NFL, or I was running the NBA, or if Major League Baseball ever comes back, I mean, I'd look at this and I'd say, hey, by, by playing the national anthem, what we are doing, and it's maybe a sad commentary on society, but we are dividing our fans because there's going to be people that are are looking at the players that decide to kneel and the ones that don't decide to kneel, and they're going to be judging them, and they're going to be looking at the people who are kneeling in the stands versus the people who are standing up, and and you're not going to be bringing people closer together. So, all right, maybe isn't the better answer just to say we're, we're not going to go down this route for this this, at this moment, Gianni and Montello. Hi, Gianni, you're on double TMJ.
3: Hey, Jeff. Uh, thanks for taking my sure. call. Hey, great minds think alike, but um, I, I'm going to demur with, with, with this issue. Um, I, I think that um, it, the national anthems should be used at uh, pro, pro sporting events, professional sporting events. And I don't want to get in, into the political aspect, but I'm going to, I'm an amateur musician and a music critic. And I'm going to say that the, the national anthem, not only the melody, but, but the words are, are um, incredibly powerful. And I'm not even go as far as saying that I, I would equate it, the melody... With amazing grace and the beauty of For Elise. I mean, it has so much power. It's almost like a pep rally, mm-hmm. uh, before a, a, sp- a sporting event. And as a matter of fact, I, so moved am, am I by the national anthem that I, I used to teach it mm-hmm. and then the words, uh, overseas when I was, uh, uh, Sure. In other countries, spreading democra- democracy. So let's keep the national anthem. It's it's a very powerful melody, and um, let's keep the politics out of it. If people want to debate it, that's fine. We can disagree, but um, I, I want to hear the national anthem when I go to a Brewers game or a Bucks game.
1: Well, and I, and I respect that, Gianni, and I, I want to hear it, too. But at the same time, I, I guess maybe I've just... I understand where we are in our society nowadays, and and I know what's going to happen because you are going to, once sports resume playing, you're going to see – Three quarters of the team, or half the team, or whatever, they're going to kneel. Other people aren't going to kneel. That's what's going to be on the TV thing, and it's going to be this debate day after day after day. And it's going to be almost impossible to find. I think. I think common ground on this, which makes me raise the question of: all right, what are we trying to uh, accomplish here? It's. It is unfortunately not like it was years ago, where when they start to play the national anthem, all of us stand. All of us stand up. We take off our hats. We put. our our hands over our heart and we try our best to you know to sing along with, with the national anthem. I just I guess there, there's some battles that just kind of wear me out and, and this this is one that I think is is getting worse, not better, which makes me wonder why do we continue to fight this particular culture war? And again, if I if I'm in any of these sports leagues I'm, I'm saying, okay, you know, this is our way of of dealing with these these protests and dealing with the people that have got upset with the protests. We'll just we'll do away with the anthem and we'll just say play ball and we'll kick off and we'll we'll get the game started two minutes earlier. I mean, does anybody's life really change that much?
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: So very glad to have you with us. Um, Somebody just texted us, Jeff, you you talk a lot about the cancel culture, and how does that relate to doing away with the anthem before sporting events well the, the the cancel culture is gee something's become politically incorrect so we we have to we have to cancel the program you know we 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 can't have that i'm not saying you get rid of the national anthem i'm just saying does, does it have to be before the sporting events you still play the national anthem it's not like you're canceling it's not like you're saying we're going to do away with the national anthem it's just like given the fact that this has become a lightning rod you know do you need Need to have it before every sporting event, because, I mean, truthfully, there's people who feel strongly on both sides of this, and there's probably people who say, well, I, it, it's just, it's something, I, they make me get out of my chair and stand up for a couple minutes, you know, before the games. Would, is that really the venue for the national anthem, given how controversial the whole thing has become? Food for thought. All right. We discussed this a couple days ago. The more I think about it, the more irritated I get over it. The city of Milwaukee is going to be considering. Matter of fact, tonight they're going to be taking testimony and there is a resolution by multiple school board members to immediately terminate all contracts with the Milwaukee Police Department for school resource officers. I think this is short sighted. I think it is ill-considered, and I think if the city of Milwaukee or if the school board does this, they will come to regret this decision. I think school resource officers play a huge role in maintaining, number one, public safety in the schools, and number two, de- offering a humanizing element to the, the police officers. And I, I made this point yesterday, a couple days ago when we discussed this, but it's getting even more steam. I, I think for many Many young people, particularly people in, uh, for example, MPS students, you know, people who live in more, maybe, maybe you live in more of an economically depressed or challenged area of the city. So, I mean, this is an opportunity for students to interact with police officers in a fashion. Other than simply, gee, I, I heard so-and-so's brother was getting arrested for, you know, selling dope on a street corner or something like this. It's a chance to give young people an opportunity to interact positively with police officers. And I think that in and of itself is worthwhile. And I think it is foolish and arguably dangerous to say we're going to take um, we're going to take the cops out of the schools. 855-616-1620. That's the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text line. But I will tell you, as part of this whole defund the police, um, the police are, are bad. Let's get them out of our communities. That this, this is a movement that is gaining all sorts of steam and it's gaining steam in Milwaukee. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. I think it would be absurd and a very, very bad idea to remove police from the schools. Um, here's the history of the SRO program, the school resource officer. It started in Milwaukee back um, in, in January of 2007. You may remember there were a series of incidents at, at, at Bradley Tech High School. Fight took place in the school. The students called family members and friends to help them get into a fight. Um, people came down here, and, and then what ended up happening it was a big fight. There was a brawl. After that, um, MPS started a pilot program for school resource officers at, at Bradley and at Custer. February of 2008, they approved a program to have um, SRO, school resource officers, assigned at six schools paid for by the city and the school district. The way it, it stands right now is there's um, 12 officers. Who are assigned as school resource officers, and I believe another six who are assigned to provide assistance to those twelve. So that—that's what we are talking about. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text line. I understand we live in difficult and challenging times, but are we really making the schools safer by taking police officers out of the schools? Rather than giving the students an opportunity to see and interact with police officers in a context other than when somebody's being arrested, isn't that a positive thing? Do we gain anything by eliminating the SROs? Is this a hip and trendy idea that is not in the interest of anyone? My answer is yes. 855 That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment.
2: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tonight, meeting of the Milwaukee School Board. There, I I think, is an overwhelming sense among the members of the elected school board that in a concession to political correctness and the mood of the times, we have to immediately remove police from the Milwaukee public schools, and there's a resolution um, to immediately terminate all contracts with the Milwaukee Police Department. As I said, the the history of this is, it it goes back, gosh, about 13 or 14 years now, and the reason we started putting police officers in the schools was because – well candidly they were kind of out of control you you had brawls and they thought it would be better to have uh, again to have the police officers there so they could offer some you know on the spot control for some of the out of control violence that is still a valid reason but i think there's another reason that's arguably even more valid and that is just the ability of students to interact with police officers on on a daily basis and see them as as people instead of occupying forces. Now, I don't think the police are an occupying force, but I understand that in some neighborhoods, there are some people who tend to view the police in that fashion. Um, here's a few texts. Jeff, if I was a parent in the Milwaukee School District, I would be upset. Don't you want to keep the kids safe? Jeff, removing the police from the schools is ridiculous. I think they even need to reinstate um, police walking their routes for the police department so they can interact with the community. Yeah, my answer would be I think there's something to that. Jeff, I'm a retired police officer. I feel if the school board, some teachers or students don't want the police in the schools, then grant their wish. If this just happens, if this happens, just wait. With this and the cutting of the police budget, these will be the same people crying for the police when something happens in the schools, and then they will complain when it takes too long for a police response. Um, Jeff. So we remove the, the police. We let the bullies and the rotten kids run the schools. Jeff, unless the teachers are about to be armed, a school resource officer provides a first response to incidents like a school shooter or an intruder. Um, well, there is that, Jeff. If heaven forbid there's a school shooting without police protection, whose hands will the blood be on? um, Jeff, in an era of all the active shooter training, I would think people would want law enforcement here eight five five six one six, one six twenty that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line yeah i i would i I would too. I mean this idea I mean we, we always talk about this whenever there's a bomb threat or there's a school threat I always argue that the day after that threat has been received what happens is that that school is the safest of any school in the in the area why it's because you have the police presence that's there you know you're 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 on you're on the scene you're paying attention to this type of things and the idea of taking the police out of the school. And, and what's the real purpose for trying to take the police out of the school? I mean, I, I listen to these arguments. Well, it's because it, they, they will get in the way of learning because people will feel that they're in prison. Well, no, if, if that's the way you view the police, that's the bigger problem. And, and rather than simply saying the answer is to take the police out, maybe Unlike the national anthem that, unfortunately, before ball games, I'm not sure that we're going to be able to reach an accord on, unlike that situation, I think by having the police officers in there, it allows you to have those teachable moments and to say, okay, this isn't like being in prison. And, and yes, by the way, these officers are there to help provide some security. So that should make you feel more comfortable when, you know, your, your out of control classmate decides that they want to act up and bring a weapon or something. Kim in Milwaukee. Kim,
6: Hi, I have opinions on this on a couple of different levels. First and foremost, I'm in an interracial marriage for more than 20 years. We've been together since college, so I'm privy to the opinions of people of all walks of life and, you know, colors and backgrounds. So I listen to the people when they're talking, and all of their points of view matter to me. And a couple of these very, very close friends of mine happen to be educators in Minneapolis. They were all against removing the police from their schools. These are African-American educators in African-American, predominantly, schools. Hmm. They were against. They actually called it a gut punch to kids who have already lost a lot. Two reasons. One being... It's great for the students, like you said, to form relationships with these police officers and see them in a different light than what maybe they're seeing in their community or portrayed on the news. Mm -hmm. The other thing is it's good for the police officers to see these kids in a different light than arresting on the streets or involved in a crime it builds relationships both ways and the point the bigger point that i'd like to make is this feels good right now because it matches the narrative on the news but are they really talking to the educators or the administrators and asking for their true opinions
1: right and and they're
6: the ones running the schools
1: well well, right and i guess part of it too kim it is given the, 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 we, we've got this rush that's going on now. We, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. We've got to do everything. And, and th- there's all this political pressure that's on. And I, I seriously wonder whether in this rush to do stuff, because it makes us feel good, wh- whether a, some mm-hmm. of this stuff is going to turn out to be the right thing. And, and that's this classic example. Okay, the community, quote, unquote, now thinks the police are bad. Let's get them out of the schools. Well, okay, maybe, maybe that's something you want to hold off on and really think about.
6: How about this? How about you set up a meeting once a week with students and this resource officer, and you talk about your um, how you see the police, how you see your job on the streets. Where can we meet halfway? The kids yeah. are our future.
1: Well, I'm, I'm Why with, don't we
6: do that instead of kicking them out altogether?
1: I, I'm with you. No, thanks for the call. Oh, and, and by the way, I, it just this idea, this resolution that they are considering, at MPS, it doesn't just involve taking the school resource officers out. That, that, that's, that's certainly that's, that's part of it. But it, it means terminating all contracts with MPS. So what, what does that mean? It would end, and I hope you're sitting down, the buying and manta- maintaining of what they call, and I'm putting this in in air quotation marks now, criminalizing equipment. So MPS isn't going to have criminalized equipment anymore. What is that? Metal detectors, facial recognition, and social media monitoring software. Okay, so let us let us play this out. In an era where we are concerned about violence in schools and violence in public places, in an era where... Courthouses use metal detectors and, and people to monitor. And why do they do it? Well, it's unfortunate that you need to, but you, you need to do that. Okay, what they are considering doing at MPS is pulling out. They're they're not gonna they're not gonna buy the metal detectors. They're not gonna have social media monitoring software. So we're we're not gonna be paying attention if somebody says, "Hey, this is Tuesday is the day I'm going to blow up the school." We're we're not gonna be monitoring into that, and it's gonna be just kind of like a, a free for all. All right, now I understand that this idea that oh gee, we believe the police are bad, and I'm looking at a story in the Journal Sentinel where they're they're quoting some, I think it's some 16 year old young lady who's saying that you know, police officers in the schools doesn't make us feel safe or protected. It adds tension and aggression to the situation. Okay. The tension between police and students is very bad. On the streets, you're killing us, this is the quotation, and now you're at our schools, which is supposed to be our safe haven. Okay, my, my response would, would be to the, the, the 16 year old who, who's saying this is, alright, yes, we, we want your schools to be the safe haven. If you really think that taking out metal detectors is going to make the school safer, if you think getting rid of social monitoring uh, stuff to to keep track of who is making threats on the school, if you think that is making you safer, if you think removing law enforcement officers from the premises is going to make you safer, I'm I'm sorry, but you need to grow up. This is this idealistic thing, but I mean, I've been... I mean, I've been talking about school shooting stuff. I mean, I was on the air when the Columbine stuff occurred. We've talked about this. And and it was a a shock that you could have something like that happen. Now it is an unfortunate reality of, of our life. But... There's a reason why you need law enforcement people. There's a reason why you need metal detectors. Look, I understand people, people don't want to go through metal detectors. I'm a child of the 70s. I went to Nicolet High School in Glendale. We had open campuses. You could come and you could go. I, I lived, I grew up three blocks away from Nicolet. I'd walk to school. I'd go in the side door that was always open. I, I'd leave. After, um, you know, after like third or fourth period, I'd walk home, I'd have lunch at home, I'd walk back. We had open campuses, you know, it, 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 after your eighth period, you know, you, you could get in a car with your friends and you could drive somewhere. It was, Nobody kept track of you. You didn't have to check in, you know, when you went into the office. Th- those were great days. I, I can't imagine... What it's like, you know, growing up in some of these high schools that are completely and totally locked down now. I, and I think it's an unfortunate thing, but it, but it is the reality. And this idea that, oh, you know, we're, we're going to be better. We view we have this problem. There's tension with the police. Well, OK, maybe by having the school resource officers, it's a way to help reduce that tension. But again, th- this idea that let, let's pull out the metal detectors okay, great, let's stop monitoring the the Internet to watch for people who are making threats, and let's not have people on the scene who are in a position to respond to threats, all well and good, until there is the next school shooting, and unfortunately, you know it's going to be the case, and then everybody's going to be asking, well, how how did this happen? It's going to be, well, because we didn't have the metal detector to catch the fact that the kid brought the handgun to school. I It just, it, it's stuff like this, That, that makes me crazy, especially because, again, I understand this knee-jerk reaction, and especially with, you know, politicians, and that's what members of the school board are. You know, these, it's easy to give into this, this sentiment. Police bad. Get police out of the schools. Let's all sing kumbaya. Nothing would make me happier if that was what the world is. But unfortunately, that is not the world we live in now. Defund the police. It is a train wreck waiting to happen. It will happen sooner or later. Hopefully cooler heads will prevail, but I am not optimistic about this because, again, being anti-police, getting police out of things like schools, that's the hip and trendy idea. It just also might be an extremely dangerous idea. This is Jeff Wagner. As long as we are on the subject of of the, the anti police sentiment that is sweeping the the country and certainly sweeping various cities, you know, there's the big movement to defund the the police, and and of course, defund to me means defund. And there's a lot of people who believe we should just do away with police departments. Well, recognizing how. Just idiotic, that that sounds. Now some people are saying, well, when we say defund, we don't mean defund. We mean partially defund. And in Milwaukee, one of the things they're looking at is a a 10% cut of the police department's budget. Cutting the police department budget by 10% would, depending on how you figure it, reduce the number of police officers on the street by somewhere between – About 150 and 300, depending on how they they made the cuts. All right. And just ask yourself this question in the real world, not the world that kind of plays out on on the TV protests and things like that, but in the real world, you know, do you want to live in a community where you have fewer officers on the street keeping you safe, enforcing the laws and catching the bad guys? Want to have more of them? or do you wanna have less of them? And if you look at a city, for example, like Milwaukee, where you have, I would argue, out of control crime, I know the mayor doesn't like to hear that phrase, but I mean, come on, you can't leave your car unlocked in front of your house or else it's going to be gone, much less, you know, you, you better be careful going through most of the intersections because the chances are you could get hit by somebody driving 90 miles an hour in a stolen car blowing through the, the intersection, not to mention the murders and the shootings and all. Do you really want to live in a community where there's, there's, there's 10% fewer police officers? Is that what we're really all about? My answer would be no. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's
1: Jeff Wagner. Here's a text, Jeff. It seems to me that the people who want to defund the police the most are actually the ones who utilize their services the most. Maybe we should just oblige them and see how things go. I, I mean, I've been saying this for a while. I mean, for for people who, who truly believe the police are an occupying force and we need to defund them and reduce their ranks, um, I understand my idea is let's test this out let let's let's beta test let's pick four cities and let's have there be no police and let's see how this this works out let's let's give it two months and and then we we can see and for for everybody who wants to understand this stuff you watch what's going on in seattle where the mayor completely and totally lost control of several city blocks in downtown seattle and now you've got the whatever they're calling this for at the moment where you have pretty much complete anarchy and you've got vigilantes for everybody who thinks that that's really how you want to live. My advice is go, go download or find the old movie escape from New York and and just imagine what that would be like um, okay a couple of people are texting well oh, maybe we should do Madison a- actually there there are people seriously there are people in Madison including some who are associated with this group that that's operating on like over a million dollars in taxpayer money thanks to the attorney general and to uh, the governor a- and and that's what they're saying they they the, the, they view the police as an occupying force, and, and they, when they say defund, they mean defund. And like I was saying earlier, there's some people who recognize how kooky that is, so now they're trying to say, well, when we say defund, we don't really mean defund, we mean partially defund. Well, okay, then you should say that. But but there are seriously people who think we gotta get rid of the police department, the world will be a better place. Um, wonderful, like, like try that one out. All right, let us completely and totally switch gears. President Trump is scheduled to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma on Saturday and conduct his first Make America Great Again rally um, in, in months. It is creating a lot of controversy. There's a lot of this hand wringing out there. Oh, President Trump shouldn't go. We've got COVID-19. Doesn't he realize there's this risk of spreading that? Oh, President Trump shouldn't go because doesn't he realize that Friday is Juneteenth day? And by having a, a mega rally the next day, you're... I I don't know, sending the wrong sort of messages. Oh, no, President Trump shouldn't go because, well, it's just going to create more unrest in Tulsa. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. If President Trump wants to have a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I think he should go ahead and have a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I guess my take on this is that if people don't want to go, I understand that, and and you shouldn't go. I will be honest. I've said this before. I, I am I comfortable being in small group settings? Absolutely, I, I am. I went out to I went out to a restaurant. Last night, and we had a wonderful dinner. Fran and I had a wonderful dinner with our friends Alan and Patty. I I, I enjoyed it. I'm starting to get out. We're starting to socialize with people. Am I in a hurry to go into a large group setting. And by large group setting, I mean hundreds and hundreds of people or thousands of people. And my answer is no, I'm not ready for that. If I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, would I even consider going to, whether it's a Trump rally or something else, would I consider going into something where we're gonna be packed in with 12 or 15 or 19,000 people? The answer is no, I am not comfortable with that. But you know what? I'm a grown-up. I make those choices. If the president wants to go, and look, we've got elections coming up in November. I think the president has every right to campaign. I think people have every right to decide whether or not they want to attend or not. And I would encourage people to to be smart at doing that. And if you're concerned about the issues, if you're in a vulnerable category, I would discourage people from, from going. But at the same time, I don't think he I don't think we should say, oh, no, he he shouldn't go. And and the irony of this is that many of the people who are the most upset that that President Trump might be holding a rally are the same people who have been just applauding all the different protests that we have had, you know, going on uh, across this country. You know, thousands and thousands of people getting together, no social distancing, no masks walking around and you know, engaging in protest. You you can't have it both ways. This was the point I tried to make, you know, when, when Tom Barrett continues to not allow restaurants to open up at more than twenty five percent capacity at the same time you've got hundreds or in some cases thousands of people that are in very, very close quarters walking around. Okay, so, so we can't have we can't have a handful of people going into restaurants where they're spaced out, but it's okay to have hundreds or thousands of people walking through the streets. And I'm not saying you close down the, the protests. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying maybe, Tom, you should be consistent and open up the restaurants. If you're going to have the protests, Trump should be able to have his rally. Let's start with um, Delroy in West Allis. you on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for
3: taking my call. Yes, sir.
1: Okay. I can.
7: Yeah, uh, just my two cents. I, you know, and and I'm going to apologize if I offend somebody by saying that I'm operating under the assumption that not a significant portion of the African-American community supports Donald Trump. And going on with that, if you wanted to have a rally, go ahead and have it. But I think one of the places where you wouldn't want to have a rally on Juneteenth, is Tulsa, Oklahoma, and if nobody knows what I'm talking about, go look back at a KKK uh, attack that happened there back in
1: 1921. Mm-hmm. Sure. Are you? Do, and, would you would you argue that the president then shouldn't be allowed to campaign in Tulsa?
7: No, no. I think he can do it on any other day, but that's kind of a holiday for African Americans. Mm-hmm. And seeing as though there was an attack that happened from the KKK on that day, I mean, if, if he yeah, he's actually, to have he's, a actually rally,
1: he's actually doing it the next day, Juneteenth is Friday. He, his rally that was going to be on Friday, and then they rescheduled it to, to Saturday, so it's actually the next day.
7: But, yeah, but but why? You know, it, it, you know. I guess if that's the case, then you know, who am I to say? It, it, it would be nice though at the rally, maybe if he would talk about that you know, mm-hmm. maybe mention that attack that happened back in nineteen twenty one and we, we need to find a way to heal as a nation and, and, and figure out, you know, how to settle our differences that we have racially in this country because nineteen twenty one to today, hundred years later almost, and we where are we?
1: Yeah, I'm I, I'm 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 not sure I'm not sure President Trump is the guy that's going to soothe the troubled waters, if you know what I mean. That that, that just that hasn't been his style so for why four years. Rally? Well, well you do a rally there? I, well, I mean I think what he's doing is he's I mean, he it's a state he wants to carry. I mean he's anybody any of his supporters could show up. I, I don't know that it's I don't think it's fair to say it's intended to rub salt in the wound. I mean, would you feel differently if he was having the same rally in Detroit or in Chicago or I don't know, where, wherever. I mean, is is it just Tulsa you don't think you should be having the rally in?
7: Maybe not in Tulsa, maybe not in Memphis, you know, just surrounding the whole Juneteenth thing. It, it, you know, and there's a reason why they rescheduled it for the next day, yeah. I think.
1: No, I no, think no, no you're right. No, th- no thanks. for calling. No, I, I mean, I, I, I agree. I think they said it for Friday, and it was Juneteenth, and, and I think that they recognized that that was – I hope they recognize that that was kind of bad optics on this. Look, I, I just, I, I guess I, I look at this for at least the next well through the end of this year. You know, President Trump will be the president of the United States. President Trump, and I look, and I, if you're a regular listener to this program, you you know that I I have very strong feelings some pro, some con on, on President Trump, but but he has the right to have campaigns, and I, I don't think that the the fact that um gee there there's some people who don't like him or they think that he's divisive or whatever that that means he he doesn't get the right to go out and campaign now we're in this era of covid-19 and the, the big argument that's being out there that, that that I'm hearing at least is that oh this is going to be terrible all these people are going to go out they're they're going to get sick if they attend these these things well okay again the genie is out of that bottle i mean people people are out protesting people are starting to live their lives again now we don't have We don't have mass gatherings outside the protests as a general rule. And that's why I think that, you know, people need to be kind of cautious. That's why one of the reasons I said I I wouldn't be attending any sort of large event because I'm not comfortable being in in those kind of large groups, but but I have a right to do it. I think he has a right to stage his political event. I think people have a right to decide whether they're going to attend or not. And then you, you just deal with it. Will we see a spike in COVID-19 cases as a result of all the protests over the last couple weeks? It seems to me it's inevitable uh, unless all the authorities have been wrong over the course of the last couple months when they said that, you know, you need to social distance. Now, to me, it makes sense that social distancing does. And so I I think that you're probably inevitably going to see a spike. Hopefully you're not going to see a spike in hospitalizations because most of the people that are protesting are, are younger. And so if they get sick, they get sick. And then they they get better i mean hopefully that's going to be the the situation that happens but does trump have a right to to go to tulsa yeah he does does he have a right to have the rally yes he does do you have a right to attend or not attend yes you you do period i think case closed back with more in a minute this is jeff wagner
0: you're listening to jeff wagner on wtmj
1: There is a story in today's washington post that it is almost unbelievable to me that it could get to this level now everybody knows what blackface is blackface is the the minstrel the old-time minstrel show where shows where you would have White performers who would put on, you know, blackface to create the impression that they were a person of color, and then they would perform lots of times in, in sort of stereotypical sort of things. Blackface, I think we, we recognize in 2020 that, um, you know, blackface is unacceptable. And there's a number of performers over the years who've been kind of caught in what I call the cancel culture. I mean, we talked about Howard Stern the other day, who who did this thing in 1993 where he was um, mocking Ted Danson, who showed up at a roast for Whoopi Goldberg. Follow this. And Danson was wearing blackface. And Howard Stern did this very, very racist thing that was in blackface. And to at least Howard Stern's credit, he, he's, he kind of owned up to it and said, well, that's the kind of stuff I did in 93. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm wrong. But I think most of us agree that blackface, bad idea. Okay, we, we, we've got that. At the same time, though, isn't it enough sometimes just to say bad idea and, and then sort of move on? And I ask this question because there's this huge story in the Washington Post. I mean, it's at least, well, I printed the thing out and it's, it's 12, 13, 13, 14 pages printed out. So th- this is th- this big story. It inv- Here's what happens. A couple of years ago, there was a, uh, there, there's a, there's a very liberal political cartoonist who draws for the Washington Post. And his name is, is Tom Toles, T-O-L-E-S, uh, big time lefty. And what he does every year is he hosts a Halloween party at his, at his home in the DC area and all all the these people from the media come and friends and politicians come but it's a halloween party and it it's of course uh, it's a costume party now this is this is by the way one of the dangers of the world we live in now and I, I'm surprised that we're still allowed to have Halloween parties because the truth is it's getting so that you can't come dressed as anything anymore without, you know, running afoul. You, you, you know, it used to be you could show up dressed as a police officer. Don't try dressing as a police officer for Halloween anymore. And, you know, people, again, just just look at these different. No, you can't. You can't dress up like this because that's cultural appropriation. You can't dress like like that because it's racist, etc. I mean, I, I really do wonder what the future of Halloween parties is. But but anyhow. One of his – it's a huge party, and everybody comes in costumes. One of his friends – she doesn't work at the paper, but some, some – of like a, like a longtime family friend. This was back in 2018 when Megyn Kelly – remember Megyn Kelly? First from Fox News, and then she went over to NBC, and I'm not sure what she's doing now. She, she went on TV, and she said that she didn't think there was anything wrong with blackface. All right. So there's this party. One of the the gals that was attending the party decides that she's going to go as Megyn Kelly. So she dresses up as Megyn Kelly, and then she decides she wants to parody and mock Megyn Kelly's, satirize what Megyn Kelly said about blackface. So she dresses up as Megyn Kelly, and wait for it, she puts on blackface, Hmm. and she goes to this party. And apparently things, things go badly because a couple people that are at the party start screaming at her for being so insensitive to come show it up in blackface. And she's going, no, 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 I, I'm mocking Megyn Kelly. This is satire. That's where I'm wearing the, the blackface. And, and this is now turned into, I bring this up because it's turned into this huge article in the Washington Post. Now you've got the cartoonist who the host of the party, who is now apologizing for having the party where the person showed up wearing blackface. You've got the the person who was wearing blackface is now talking about how she's gone into counseling for this and talking to a psychiatrist. Some of the people that were at the party that saw the woman dressed in blackface, they're talking about how they need therapy and all this stuff. And, and I'm, I'm just reading this all, and I'm thinking, wow, I, I mean – I mean, look, I I understand that there's stuff that you just don't do anymore. I I, I get all that, and I understand that people have every right to be offended. But I'm thinking about how did this situation where – one woman decides that, and she by the way, that the lady big time left to yourself, not a fan of Megan Kelly, she went dressed as Megan Kelly wearing blackface because again she wanted to mock Megan Kelly in her comments on blackface that is now just completely and totally like backfired and now this is a fourteen or fifteen page story in The Washington Post about how everybody is completely traumatized by by this incident, and people are rethinking things and I guess I, I look at all this and I kind of say. Well, should she have worn blackface? Well, of of course not. Should she have tried to do parody? No, there's some things that you just can't, you can't do parody anymore. And people don't understand satire. And, and by the way, lady, what were you thinking? I I get all that. But this now two years later, we're having all these recriminations about this. It was just, it was, it was a dumb idea. It was, it was a bad, ill-conceived stunt. Doesn't seem like there's any sort of real evil intent that's there. And yet, people are still talking about this a couple years later, and the Washington Post is writing about it. I mean, really? This is Jeff Wagner.